Just a reminder that Stats and Stories is running its data visualization contest to celebrate its 300th episode. You can grab data about the show to analyze and submit your entry at statsandstories.net slash contest. Your entry has to be there by June 30th. The International Prize in Statistics is one of the most prestigious prizes in the field. Awarded every two years at the ISI World Stats Congress, it's designed to recognize a single statistician or a team of statisticians for a significant body of work. This year's winner is C.R. Rao, Professor Emeritus at Pennsylvania State University and Research Professor at the University at Buffalo. Rao's created and been honored for a number of contributions to the statistical world in his over 75-year career. Career, and that's the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me is regular panelist John Baylor, Emeritus Professor of Statistics at Miami University. Our guests today are Srinivas Rao Jamalamadaka and Krishna Kumar. Jamalamadaka is a distinguished professor in UC Santa Barbara's Department of Statistics and Applied Probability. Kumar is a management consultant in business analytics and consulting economist. The two are here to talk with us about his contribution to the field. Thank you both for being here today on the show. It's very exciting to, to have an opportunity to, to, to celebrate uh, Professor Rao's contributions to statistics. I, you know, as I as I think back on the, the many classes that that I took in statistics, you know, his his name featured prominently in some of the most important work. So it's it's certainly a delight and an honor to see to see him recognized with with the international prize in statistics. I, I guess this to start, I, you know, I I like to make this personal for you all. Can you talk a little bit about you know, when you first met Professor Rao? You know, I'd yes. like to add a couple of tidbits here. Okay. Sian Rao was born in 1920, making him 102 years young. Uh. <laughs> he, he is, you know, the part of India where we come from, we write our family name in the beginning. So hmm. C is actually is the family name. Rao is more like a middle name. Uh, I was myself known as J.S. Rao for a long time, and 40 years back, I changed my name to S. Rao J. J is, used to be my, you know, first initial, but that was the family name. So you see, R. Rao C. C stands for Kalyampudi. And uh, when I mentioned to C.R. Rao that I changed my name to put my family name at the end, 40 years back, he said to me, Oh, it's very nice, but it's too late for me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> first, my first acquaintance with C.R. Rao was in 1960, when I was just 15 years old. The ISI, the Indian Statistical Institute, was allowed to offer degree programs from 1960, and I was selected for the first batch of BSTAT, Bachelor's in Statistics. C.R. Rao was our class teacher. Hmm. for the next four years. A class teacher meant someone you see day in and day out. Every day, he is the one who teaches us statistics, specialized subjects like biology or economics 
other people came and taught, but he was our teacher for statistics for the first four years. And then he was later on my PhD advisor. And that's my introduction to my acquaintance with Seattle. And I keep in touch with him and I have been in touch for a long time. And I might mention things later on as we go. Perfect. Uh, Krishna, how about you? Uh, yes, uh, I joined as a student of Dr. C.R. Rao in 1959, a year earlier <laughs> than uh, Srinivas. Uh -huh. And uh, for me also, for two years, he was the class teacher oh. and probability and statistics throughout. And uh, not only he taught, but he taught so rigorously that uh, he would make us work all the time. Uh, and he would see to it that we do not miss any class. And uh, there was an occasion when there was a heavy rain. We thought he would not make it from a long distance to take the class, but he did turn up and we did not go. So he fined us all. <laughs> That's great. So he was a very uh, good disciplinarian. And uh, so, and uh, I want to tell the real story behind the Kramer-Rao inequality. Oh, okay. So now we're, now we're getting into the, the, the heart of this. So, yeah, so tell yeah. us. The real story is that he was actually uh, talking about Fisher's result for large samples in a class. And one of his students asked him, uh, but that is for large samples. But in practical reality, we get small samples. So... What is the result for small samples? Can it be extended? So next morning, he went to the class and proved the Kramer-Rao inequality <laughs> as a response to that question, the student's question. And at that time, he was uh, 24 years old, or 22 <laughs> years old. I, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever answered a question that that quickly or yeah. that completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's also the standard that electrical engineers, communication engineers use for noise reduction. Ah. So the noise reduction is uh, measured through the variance in the noise. And that has to reach a minimum level for better communication. So engineers use that as an industry standard. Oh, that's I, I I didn't I was unaware of that. Uh, so so can we just just sort of wind back a bit? I know that my my friend here and and, and colleague Rosemary she she may never have heard of the Cremer Rao lower bound, and I have it, not before before reading up on C R yeah. Rao. So <laughs> yeah, so so if you were going to explain this to a to a journalist who's who's here for the first time, you know who's who's maybe knows a little bit about statistics, a little bit about what an estimator might be. Can, can you give kind of a, a summary for the audience of what the Cremer-Rao lower bound said? I'll, I'll give you a brief introduction. You know, one main part of statistics is what we call statistical inference. Inference is about, you have, in general, we treat with, we treat with large data sets, what we call populations, you know, and then we cannot take all uh, possible observations that are given data pro in a given problem. So what we do is we take a sample. And uh, often 
the populations are infinite. So what we do is we end up taking a sample and the question is we estimate the characteristics of this population. Like where is the center of this population? Where is the, how much dispersion is there in that population? Questions like that. Those are called parameters, characteristics of the population. And we are trying to estimate these based on a samples, sample of size 10, 20, 30 maybe. And then how accurate are these estimates in a given context? That's the issue. You know, we want to estimate unknown parameters based on a sample. This kind of thing is called, you know, inductive inference. You know, inductive inference is when you go from partial sets to total sets and inductive inference. So this is what it is about. And then this is bound to have errors. You know, you can't be saying perfect answers based on samples. So what happens then is how efficient are, how efficient are these estimators that we have? And uh, that is where the Kramer-Rau bound comes in. It says, in a given context, this is the lowest possible variance, a dispersion error that you can have. And this is the most efficient way to estimate an unknown parameter. And that is where the bound comes in. And it comes in various contexts, like uh, Krishna was mentioning, it, uh, electrical engineers and communication engineers, they use it in reducing noise reduction, improving the signal to noise ratios, and a lot of other places like multiple image radiography, Bayesian risk theory, and so on and so forth. This has become a very big topic. There is not any area that uh, in statistical inference that avoids or that can uh, not, that, that tends not to be using the Kramer Rao bounds to get efficient estimators. Yeah, you know, now all of a sudden I'm going to have to look. Every time I use my cell phone, I'm going to be thinking about a, the Kramer-Rao lower bound after talking to you two today. <laughs> this is a, this is amazing. Well, you know, and I, I remember first encountering this in, in school and thinking this is just phenomenal. What a what a remarkable remarkable insight to to demonstrate. And so 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 clearly this is one of the reasons why. You know, why uh, C.R. Rao was recognized with the International Prize. Can, can you describe some other reasons or some other contributions that, that kind of led to, to this recognition? There is another result which is equally popular and well-known in statistical literature, and uh, this is called the Rao-Blackwell theorem, Rao-Blackwell result. Uh, Blackwell, David Blackwell used to be a professor at UC Berkeley, and uh, they independently arrived at this result. This is again in the context of estimating unknown parameters using what they call a sufficient statistic. If you have an est estimator of any kind, and uh, if you have a what is called a sufficient statistic, sufficient statistic is something like it, it has a statistic is a function of the gate sample values. Okay, statistic is what we call it in the singular. Statistic is a function of the sample values, and a sufficient statistic is one which contains all the information about the unknown parameter, maybe in a single number sometimes. You know, for example, you might have a thousand observations on the heights of individuals from a bell curve, a normal distribution. But then we know in a case like that, we don't have to keep track of all these thousand observations. 
just keep track of just one number, namely their average, average of these several numbers. That one number takes care of all the information that you need about the center of the distribution. And okay, what is the raw black hole result about? It says that if you have any estimator and if you have a sufficient statistic, you can use this sufficient statistic to improve the other estimators. You can arrive at an optimal estimator using a sufficient statistic through what is called a conditioning method. And this is used in adaptive sampling, seriology, so many other places that uh, raw black hole method of improving estimators uh, takes place. You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking about this year's winner of the International Prize in Statistics, C.R. Rao. You both have talked about how his work has impacted particular fields in engineering, but I wonder for the layperson, right? So like me or John's dad, right, who maybe are not as stats savvy, how might his work have impacted our lives in other ways? In, in general, in any problem, we have something unknown and we get information through observations about that unknown quantity. And from that information, we try to infer something about the unknown quantity. And when we make that inference, that inference is going to have an error. That means we, we won't be correct. And there are different ways of arriving at that um, estimate from the information. And Dr. Rao's contribution also draws from uh, Professor Fisher is out of that information, there is some information which is sufficient to know about the unknown quantity. That is what uh, Srinivas was talking about, sufficient statistic. So Professor Rao improvised the concepts developed by Fisher to extract the best possible estimate of the unknown. And that pervades not only in engineering, it is used in economics, it is used in other sciences. For example, physics. There is uh, one book written by Cambridge, I mean, published by Cambridge University Press, and a physicist from University of uh, Arizona has proved all the physical laws using Kramer-Rau inequality. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And that book is published by Cambridge University Press. And he also said he derived some unknown laws until then. No Laws which were not known until then, he derived them also using Kramer-Rau inequality. So these are this is the scope of his work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting when when people first meet kind of topics in statistics, they'll sometimes think you know when you're doing inference, there's a recipe book for how to get these estimators to understand what's going on in a population. That the whole process of inference is very formulaic. But I but I think that the idea that that somehow the way that you put information in a sample together and right. use it in some optimal way is is really incredible. I mean, it's, 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 it's so foundational in terms of what's done, done in terms of the practice of, of statistics, that, that it's it just is, is so neat to see what, what this work has, has represented. I, I wanted to, to give you a chance to, to also 
talk a little bit about your experience with uh, C.R. Rao. You know, what are some of your favorite stories about him or some of your favorite interactions with him? I could say that, uh, you know, when I finished my bachelor's degree and master's degree, I had various options. I was doing very well in subjects and doing well in the, you know, exams and so on. So I asked, I approached him and asked him whether I should go get a good job, which was plenty in those days, or do a do research with him. And he told me that you are very good. You you really would be a good qualified candidate for doing research. So start to do some research. And then I started to work with him on the extending the Kramer-Rao bounds in higher you know functional spaces and things like that. Very mathematical results in in higher order spaces and so on. And then it turned out there was a geologist at the Indian Statistical Institute is known for very diverse kind of disciplines that this supports besides statistics and probability and mathematics. There's a geology unit, there's a biology unit, and the geologist approached C.R. Rao asking him about a question about what's called paleocurrent analysis. Okay. Paleocurrent is data on the currents of the past of a river. Rivers was flowing in a certain direction and it changed its course over a period of time. And so this is about a, what is called a directional flow of a river. So directional data, as we call it now. So the question then occurred to C.R. Rao that this is not the usual statistics that he has been dealing with. So he said, okay, here is a good opportunity for this J.S. Rao young man to <laughs> look into. So he called me in and said, uh, you know, help this geologist. And I, he actually was so practical, he told me to go visit this geologist's arena somewhere in the middle of, you know, southern part of India to see how they are collecting this data, what are they collecting, how many they should be collecting, and so on. This is called directional data, and this is an important area of my research. I wrote books on this. I wrote dozens and dozens of papers on this topic. So he was astute enough to see certain areas need developing, and he has been pushing this uh, kind of thing. In, yeah. Uh, about me, uh, about 1961, I finished my training at ISI and started to do research in econometrics. Dr. Rao saw me one day and said, why are you still here? <laughs> I we gave you the scholarship so that you can go abroad and get a PhD in econometrics and come back and teach here. <laughs> then I said I needed two letters of reference, and uh, both of them should be by econometricians because I want to specialize in econometrics. I could get only one, and I need one more. Then he said, I will give it to you. I told him, Dr. Rao, you are a very well-known world figure in statistics, but you are not an econometrician. Then he said, what is your criterion of an econometrician? <laughs> I, I said, anybody who has a paper in a journal called Econometrica, the best journal in economics. Then he said, go to the library, see 1947 issue of Econometrica. <laughs> And I went and, went and saw there was a paper by 
Dr. Rao, <laughs> on a problem posed by the founder of the discipline of econometrics, Professor Ragnar Frisch. <laughs> he, he posed a problem and that was solved by Dr. Rao. <laughs> and then I went back to him, Dr. Rao, you are an econometrician and please write a letter of reference. <laughs> That's great. I have a related question to John's. I mean, you both were students of Rao. I wonder how your interactions with him have influenced how you approach teaching the subject of statistics or related subjects? Like, what was that influence on you? I have been, since the age 15, as I mentioned, I was a statistician, BSTAT, MSTAT, PhD, everything was in statistics. So when I came to Indiana University, which was my first job, Indiana University, and I started to develop statistics there. But it never took, uh, you know, seed there. You know, this was a big math department, mm. but they were not so interested in statistics in those days. I'm talking about the early 70s and so on. So then I moved to Santa Barbara, and I started a department of statistics here. It was also there was no department of statistics here, so I started a department of statistics, and it's a flourishing department now. You know, thanks to the CR Rouse, you know you know, putting seats in my head and so on. So he's, uh, you know, I think we have, a, we have a wonderful department of 25 faculty and uh, about 1,500 undergraduate majors. Wow. wow. 80, 80 masters and graduate students. So I feel proud that we have this all due to, you know, the learning I had at the ISI Calcutta under CR Rao. That's a marvelous legacy. Yeah. Yeah. So, Krishna, how about you in terms of your practice of statistics? How is, how, what, what would the mentorship of C.R. Rao, what was that influence? See, the Indian Statistical Institute education was very well balanced between theory and applications. And that training prompted me to go into consultancy, statistical consultancy. So at Florida State University, I was a member of a consulting team in the Department of Statistics, where we used to ask various department people, if you have any problem that requires statistical analysis of data, you are free to consult us. And I thoroughly enjoyed that work that I did as a consultant. And later I worked for three years in a business consultancy firm called uh, Apt Associates in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And that was, again, statistical consultancy applied to social and economic problems. And it so happens during that period, 1975-76, Dr. Rao visited Boston to chair, I think, International Statistical Institute uh, presidency and Biometric Society presidency Two or three associations president, <laughs> he was jointly in one year, in 75 or 76. He came and uh, visited me at that time. And uh, even at that time, one of the problems that I was facing, I asked Dr. Rao, and he gave me a solution. <laughs> oh, that's, that's wonderful. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Thank you both so much for joining us and talking with us about CR Rao. 
you. Thank you. Very much. Thank you so much. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter at Stats and Stories, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.